0: This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirit solves the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booth without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation and botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. But they can also be used to make more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in the Seedlip Cocktail Book or on their Instagram account at Seedlip underscore NA. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. They're available in Canada and in the U.S. and now at LCBO stores across Ontario. Again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 151.
1: on sorry. <laughs> Honored to be
0: here. <laughs> glad to have you, babe. Yeah,
1: good start so far.
0: But we have a great episode lined up for you tonight. I speak with a second timer on the pod, neurologist Dr. Cindy Hovington. After the last time I had her, everybody was like, she needs to get back on. She is so smart. She has such great conversation so we did it and we talk about emotional regulation what to do when your kid is having a tantrum when they have those like worst suffering after school total meltdown world ending meltdowns and we we get in all that so she is so full of knowledge is just like a great conversationalist and it was a good time
1: it, does she give any insights for adult emotional regulation <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but I bet she could. She is a very smart person. But Shane, cheers, baby. We got a seed lip sour since we liked it so much the mm, other week. Cheers.
1: Oh, yeah, that's smooth. Right? And relaxing. Just, but, I'm sorry. Just,
0: I was going to say, just like us right now, we're sitting in the house after being outside for the Santa Claus parade, all freezing by the fire. It's cozy.
1: It's very cozy. I'm wearing Baffin slippers. Not that this is an ad for Baffin slippers, but they are very cozy.
0: They look like moon boots.
1: And what, what's that machine we just used? So although we did just have a non-alcoholic seed lip drink, which is very relaxing in its own right, we had an alcoholic drink before that from uh what's the machine called?
0: Okay, it's called a Bartesian. So it's it's essentially a Keurig – but not coffee. It, you like put in a pod and it makes alcoholic cocktails.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a, having a bartender. In your and, yeah, it's pretty cool and luxurious and very unnecessary. <laughs> but uh, I like it.
0: Oh, I was trying to think of the best word to describe this type of invention. It is superfluous. Like It is totally ridiculous, but it makes life pretty nice.
1: Do You know, that's one of my favorite words. But a word I cannot say.
0: We don't use it enough. You say it. Try to say it.
1: Superfluous.
0: Superfluous.
1: It's very hard for me to say. It does something to my brain that there's many words that do that to my brain. But that is that one might take the cake.
0: Well, I don't know. We were doing a TikTok today and you had to say a Lord of the Rings character's name. And you had a difficult time with that. Can you remember that name?
1: Um fog what it was
0: s-m-a-u-g smog
1: you you had to youtube it too and you're a lord of the rings fan and it is a a renownedly hard thing to say
0: but even just it doesn't matter how you say it's funny even the way you say it now which is incorrect you just say it with like you say it right smog
1: smog that's hard (laughs) That's hard to say.
0: (laughs) But you say it with such a, like, you sound like you're speaking old English, like you're from the 300s. I love it.
1: Yeah, it's very uncomfortable for me. Indubitably used to be. Oh, that's hard. The hardest word for me. Indubitably. Moving on.
0: Moving on. Folks, we are fresh off a vacation ish. We are fresh off of a getaway, a three night getaway, which is, as parents, you know, it's hard. To get three nights like it's hard to find people that are willing to watch your kids for three nights and we were really feeling like we needed it, if you heard the last pod so we went to detroit and it was a phenomenal getaway and it's so good that we're planning the next one to go back like we want to stay at the exact same hotel go to a lot of the same bars it was so much fun and a lot of people, they're like, they honestly, they make fun of me, right? The thing is, like, they think I'm joking. And I'll say, well, we took, like, a romantic getaway to Detroit. But it was. It
1: was. And there's a hotel in Toronto called The Sheridan, which right. it's not overly luxurious. It's a great hotel. It's it's a chain. But it's $500 a night to stay at The Sheridan. On a good night. When, when we last looked it up because there was a Leafs game in town, whatever. Normally, I think it's 300 and something. We go to Detroit. We stay at this five-star hotel, essentially. this It's over 100 years old. It's beautiful. It's like straight out of The Shining or something. And it was 300 and something dollars.
0: It was nuts.
1: Yeah. And it, it was the nicest hotel I've ever been in. If this w- was in Toronto or anywhere else, it would have been over 1,000 a night, I, I would assume. And we basically had full run of the place. We got massages. We could go in the – what's that called? Where there's steam coming out? Like a sauna.
0: Sauna, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not even. Yeah, yeah. And then they had the salt water, the salt water pool. Yeah, but hot they night. let us go
1: in this. We went in the sauna at like two a.m.
0: Well, I was gonna say, so there were actually no other guests because it's a small place. It's only four stories, so it's kind of cool too. Because there's one big grand staircase that like. It it covers the whole middle of the place. So walking through and walking up to our room on the fourth floor, it just felt like we owned a massive mansion. Mm -hmm. And we were the only guests for sure on the Monday night, maybe on the Sunday night too. But on the Monday night, we were definitely the only people left there. And we came back from the Raptors game. And it was like, what, like 11 when we got back? Or it was 10 to 11 because it closed at 11. We're like, hey, do you mind if we pop down to the pool for a little bit? And they're like, oh, yeah, go ahead. So we're like, all right, let's – you know, go down and hang out until they kind of say no. So we were hanging down there after hours, sitting in the sauna, in the pool. Like, it was amazing.
1: Yeah, well, we had built up a rapport by that point. We had partied with this man that we're saying, who who we asked for permission on the Friday and Saturday, or sorry, the Saturday and the Sunday. Mm -hmm. We had been smoking cigars with them, having multiple drinks. And um, by the end of it, we... Even broke the dress code because this was one of those rare hotels that has, has a rule where you have to always be wearing a collared shirt and dress shoes, which, I, you know, I'm not used to that. But by the end, I was walking around the place in my robe <laughs> at 3 a.m. You're, you're, you're also not allowed to have food delivered to the hotel. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, fuck it at the end. I'm wearing a robe, walking around like I own the place, getting White Castle deliveries at 3 a.m. with an unlit cigar in my mouth.
0: (laughs) Eating, just shoving mini cheeseburgers into our mouths all over the place. Like they were tasty, those White Castles. Oh, my God.
1: Oh, my God. Yes. They're tasty for two days. I don't think you can eat them longer than like two days in a year.
0: No. Oh, my God. No. Because they made me feel really sick after. I love White Castle. For the time that I'm eating it and then I feel sick, but then two days eating mm-hmm. it, it's like I felt sick for days. Yeah. Because of maybe the drinks, but also mm-hmm. the White Castle. Shane, like what was what was a highlight for you?
1: Honestly, the highlight, it was almost a, a lesson that I learned too. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes on the phone, if somebody's aggravating me, I can get a little testy. Right. Because it's it's almost like road rage. Cause oh, this person, I'm not face to face, I can talk a little bit louder or ruder if they're rude to me i'll Mm -hmm. be ruder back than i ever would in person so the concierge at the detroit club (laughs) i just had this expectation because it looks like it would be a thousand dollars a night that i'm going to be treated like gold on the phone and i was a little suspicious of the lower price point Mm -hmm. because the hotel looked so outrageously good and the reviews were through the roof for how good it was and i got this confirmation email from the detroit club that was written in uh, what's that yin yang type of font? You know that one the ying comic sans? No, dings. Comic sans is legible. I got basically dings. <laughs> wingdings, wingdings. You know what I mean? The font wingdings.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just so, so funny.
1: So I was you, you know what that font is? You can It's all illegible. Yes. Elegi- so I called them like, oh my confirmation. He's leading to me believe that I, I might be scammed. So I call the Detroit club. I go, am I actually staying at your hotel? My name is Shane Cunningham and I booked a room and I wanna know if I'm actually staying there cause I'm suspicious. The guy goes, you don't know if you're staying at the hotel. You think you'd know if you were here. I'm like, ugh, I'm like furious. I'm like, sir. Please assume that I'm talking about the future, not right now. I'm of normal intelligence. I know if I'm be at a ho- I know if I would be at the hotel and I wouldn't be calling down to ask you if I'm there. Okay, let me check. The guy takes 20 minutes. I'm fuming because I know I have two options. Either ream this guy out when he comes mm-hmm. back or hang up. So I just hang up. I have you call. You sort it out, figure it out that we are in fact staying at the hotel. The confirmation's legitimate, and you figure out what room we're, mm. we're staying in. Anyway, cut to us actually being on the trip, and we're at this cigar bar. And w- through when we first checked in, we were wondering if this one kid was the whiny voice person I talked to on the phone. But we're like, no, that couldn't be it. The voice wasn't like whiny enough. Anyway. Yeah, because yeah. it was
0: like, I want to say, like, when Shane's talking about this whiny, vo- a whiny voice, it was like a character voice from an yes. SNL sketch. It wasn't just a little bit whiny, OK? It was so whiny and so specific. And Shane actually did a really great impression of it. Like, that was almost it to a T, honestly.
1: But it's it's also very curious, this voice, because everyone else I spoke to on the phone with the Detroit Club, because I did have to call a few times, was what you'd expect from a mm-hmm. five star hotel so anyway we're at the cigar bar we're talking to the bartenders great bartenders they're so personable and charismatic and chatty and all that and all of a sudden he's like oh here's here's rich he's one of the founding members of the hotel or whatever founding he works there too he's like hi nice to meet you i'm like oh my god this is the guy i was talking to he's like yes i used to party with obama and he's going on about all all this stuff and this man is in his 50s maybe his early 60s and he's dressed appropriately and he's a big deal at the hotel and if mm-hmm. i had reamed this guy out who i assumed was a 20-year-old like stoner yeah with a whiny voice i would have felt like so uncomfortable at the hotel because we had to deal with this man quite a bit so i'm so thankful i hung up didn't do what i wanted to do which is just go ballistic and uh, it, he ended up being one of our best friends at the hotel by the oh, end of it.
0: He was amazing. And he really did set us up and like make us feel so comfortable there. And we, ha- we had to deal because he was the only person on at nights. So when it was like the Sunday and the Monday when it was just us at the hotel, it was just us and him and this parrot that hangs out there named Bruno. And, I forgot about Bruno. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's so funny because he really did sound so petulant on the phone. But then when you meet him in real life, it's like he's not trying to sound that way. That's just how he sounds. And he's actually very nice and had ridiculous stories about like Jane Fonda was at the hotel a couple of years ago and he, he <laughs> yeah, asked her like, out.
1: <laughs> you no, know, I almost asked her <laughs> yeah. out. And I thought he was talking about like when she was younger. He's like now in her eighties. I almost asked her out. <laughs> she is hot. <laughs> yeah, of course. But uh, and the the parrot, it's just nonchalant. Yeah, that's Bruno, our parrot. Did you see him? <laughs> I was like, oh, how old is he? He's in his thirties. Well, parrots live to be a yeah. hundred. Yeah. All right. Have a good night. It's like okay, we're going to the game. Game. <laughs> yeah, the Raptors are playing the Pistons. <laughs> Best Yeah, your, your team. It was like everything was just weird about every interaction with them. And I loved it, which is why at the end of the trip, I was so emboldened to walk in my <laughs> robe.
0: With the cigar and the, yes. the White Castle. But no, it was, we didn't get the t-shirts. I wanted a Detroit Club t-shirt. But Shane and I became different people there, guys. We became cigar smokers. So we were in the cigar bar hanging out with this other family that like knew they knew what they were talking about right when it came to cigars so shane and i the first cigar that we got which is the first like cigar i first real cigar i'd say i've ever smoked i've only before that had like the skinny like swisher sweets or whatever mm-hmm. so this was the first real cigar i've had that like needs to be cut and you know done properly and it was no good so we asked this one family. because It was they, fine. You it was liked fine. it
1: at the end. It was just way too thick.
0: It had no flavor. I realized I I like a little flavor stuck in there. So these two women, they were smoking one, what was it, Fat Bottom Betty? And then the other one was someone else with a funny. That was name. the woman's
1: name? No.
0: <laughs> that was the cigar name. Oh. But she was, too, she's like, and she's like, smell it, smell it. So I was smelling, and I was like, okay, that sounds nice. So then you and I both got the sweet cigars. And then- just be no, I
1: No, you got a sweet cigar. I got a coffee flavored cigar, a was, Java. And because, vanilla. No?
0: Yeah, there was vanilla. It was Java and oh, vanilla. Okay. It was beautiful.
1: So her husband was smoking a Java one and you got the fat bottom mm-hmm. Betty, which was sweeter. And then we uh you wanted you you were you know, you might have been overserved at some point, and you wanted to order ten.
0: I stand by it.
1: Which would have cost <laughs> us $380 American I think
0: They were expensive cigars The beginner cigar was also the cheapest And that was $13
1: Yeah American
0: I didn't even ask how much was the Fat Bottom Betty
1: Fat Bottom Betty I believe It was 20 or something
0: You know what worth it yeah worth it we had so much fun okay so the cigar club was its own thing there's just so much smoke in the air if i wasn't smoking a cigar i would have wanted to vomit and run the other way like no it was
1: surprisingly ventilated i'm telling you it was beautiful that area you wouldn't know people were smoking cigars it wasn't what you'd expect so and you even commented on that so
0: maybe that's why i liked it then
1: yeah how well ventilated it was your eyes don't sting it was the opposite of what i was expecting so
0: no, that but that's it was nice. Whatever it was, it was nice and it felt good. And then Shane and I, like he talked me down from getting ten and spending four hundred
1: dollars. I didn't talk you <laughs> down. I just when you weren't looking, I bought four instead of ten because the a, a bartender told me they wouldn't keep either.
0: Yes, which was smart. But so the next night, right? Shane and I come home from the bars. Like we we're doing a jazz night. Had so much fun. Came back. And it was like cold out, but we we stayed in the only room with a balcony. It was like the best room in the hotel, 409, if you ever stay at the Detroit Club. So we sat on our balcony for two hours and smoked four cigars. And it was so nice. Like That was maybe one of my highlights of the trip, was just drinking cheap Coors Lights and smoking expensive cigars on our balcony.
1: My highlight of that night was I had to go to the washroom at one point. And you decided to film, I guess, what you would consider to be a cool video of yourself smoking (laughs) two cigars at once. (laughs) So Alex films this sets up her camera and is filming her with the two stogies in her mouth drops them both on the ground in the most hilariously like awkward cringeworthy moment and then dust them off and picks them up so I don't notice
0: Well it was when because I got a lot of smoke or something I was just trying to breathe and they both just popped out of there I'm, I'm no good guys I, like I don't look cool with a cigar, but I love
1: it's the funniest video I love ever it. you have to put it on your account
0: all right i'll put it up to promote this podcast okay but it it was the best and i loved being a cigar smoker i hated the taste in my mouth the next morning it made me sick but i loved getting into them yeah and it was cigars it was cocktails and it was jazz and i think that really solidifies Mm -hmm. the trip and The best spots we went to, correct me if I'm wrong, Cafe de Mongos, Detroit Institution. It was wild. It's this like a it's like a mythical, magical place.
1: Well, you have to say what place you're talking about.
0: Cafe de Mongos.
1: Cafe de Mongos, yes. And it it's like out of a Tarantino movie. Mm. It always has the perfect amount of people in it. There's never a lineup. The bartender told I asked, I said, Will there be a lineup? And he goes, It's one of those places. There won't be. You just push your way in and you push your way to the bar and there's never a lineup. I don't know why, but there never is. And he was right. It's just packed, but they somehow <laughs> people know when to leave.
0: It's a clown car.
1: And there was this awesome singer wearing a cowboy hat and he had the coolest look to him. We, I just
0: want to shout out the band name, Carl and Co.
1: Carl and Co. Look up these people. The coolest, nicest guy. Uh, Tells stories on the mic. He doesn't give a shit if you're listening. And no one is except for Alex and I. And and he just sat at the booth with us.
0: Yeah. In between their break, he just came over. Because we were like, hey, good job, man. And then instead of just saying thanks and walking, he goes... Oh, thanks and then sat down took a deep breath rubbed his eyes a bit and then just looked at us waiting to hear something else we got to say
1: totally comfortable in awkward silence yeah. uh like pulp fiction like nothing's better than when you can just shut the fuck up with someone but i wasn't that comfortable with them yet so i was trying to fill all the silence and i at one point i was just like yeah this is like a tarantino film it's like tarantino was in here <laughs> it's like I wasn't here though but he was here once <laughs> and he's listing all the celebrities that were there
0: everybody's been there so and, go ahead
1: I was just going to say the key to this Detroit trip and I would recommend this to all people looking to make the most of their time away from children because it's not like when we were in our 20s where we could kind of fly by the seat of our mm-hmm. pants knowing that every other weekend we're going to be flying by the seat of our pants and just by the Odds, we're going to have some special weekends. You almost have to crowbar in force special moments into this because they're few and far between when you have children. We planned an itinerary for every second of our trip was accounted for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we didn't necessarily do everything that we had accounted for. But we wanted to make sure that we always had something to do. And there wasn't any time where we're like, hmm, what should we be doing and Googling while we're on the trip, wasting time? So we spent four hours one night. (laughs) It was was a fun fun. four hours, too. It's not like it was arduous. We just had a drink and we Googled every place, looked up every review, called places, looked up uh, recommendations Mm -hmm. you had from your account. And we really put the effort into making sure the trip was amazing. Yeah. So it felt like we had a tour guide with us, and that tour guide was this itinerary. And you had this. um, What was that template you used?
0: Oh, Canva. It's amazing. That was cool. So has an eh?
1: itinerary just set up?
0: Well, it's got lots of different things, but I personalized it. But it was it was really neat. Like I've never been an itinerary person. I'm like so anti that just the way that I I go. Like I never make time to do those things because I procrastinate everything. So this is the first time that I've ever made something like that for a trip. And I actually found that there was so much freedom in the itinerary. And we were talking about this on the trip. Like we had everything worked out and we made reservations for any place we even wanted to go to. And because we had the reservations made, we had everything sorted, we had already looked up times that the bars were opening and closing We just felt so much freedom like, look, we can go and get to this place on time or we could not go and check out this other place that we just heard of. And it was, it it felt amazing to always have something to do.
1: And I think any parent can relate to this, free time anxiety. Oh my God, You get this pocket of three hours and then you feel like you're wasting your free time and you don't know what to do and the world's your oyster yet you're frozen in this free time paralysis. With the itinerary, you never feel that that weird anxiety of what do I do with my free time? And it's liberating to even yeah. not do the thing that you had planned to do.
0: It felt amazing. And yeah. our hotel, so like we didn't do any of our daytime activities, any of the days, because the hotel beds, I cannot tell you, they were the most, and I've stayed in some beautiful hotels, like some of the most beautiful. And these were the best hotel beds I have ever slept in. There was, I don't know what it is, They were made of magic and clouds and they were amazing. Plus, we had been out late all the nights, but we'd lay in our bed for like the whole morning, which was so luxurious to be able to do. And then we'd watch rom coms on like the W Network. TBS. No, it was TBS. TBS.
1: They they played the hits. They played exactly what you want. The Uh, holiday. The Christmas vacation was on. Hits. All the comfort food that you want, that you need. And yeah, the bed was—it wasn't just because we were tired or mm-hmm. we stayed up late. It was the most comfortable bed. You feel like a king. Room four hundred nine, the Detroit Club, is the best room in the hotel. I and recommend it.
0: The last thing, the last two places I want to shout to you before we get out of this, Sugar House for drinks, phenomenal. I have never been to a bar where the cocktail, the 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 bartenders, sorry, that I took well to sputter that out. No, so much and are so friendly and not pretentious and nice and it was the coolest drinking experience like we had like straight up proper absinthe
1: from we a were thing. getting like a class from that man yeah
0: no it was phenomenal that guy was amazing
1: and we were into it i feel like he could go either way in terms of how nice he was willing to be mm-hmm. he tests you because at the first i was like do you have any coffees?" like no yeah, no I <laughs> like this this is a bar yeah. So like I had a deduction there and then we made up for it because I asked for absinthe. He's like, have you ever even had it before? <laughs> it's like, yeah, all the time. It's like, oh, then he backed up and got <laughs> into like educating us.
0: It was when we we said we had absinthe with local Wormwood that really got him, I think. Yeah. But There, and then also Cliff Bells, which is just an awesome institution jazz bar that's been around for ages. It's It's beautiful.
1: The place you always fantasize, at least I do, Mm -hmm. this jazz club in my mind that's out of a movie that you see but you can never quite find. If you're like me and you're always looking for a a place like that where you feel cool, like a Mm -hmm. cool guy, like smooth, and you have a martini, and there's some, like, woman playing Crooning. seductively doing jazz and cool <laughs> guys and playing bass and an awesome drummer.
0: <laughs> no, it was insane. And they put Shane and I up like we're the first seat by the stage, made friends with the singer. Like it was it was really incredible. Folks, you do need to go to Detroit. I actually almost hate talking and pumping up the Detroit Club Hotel so much because like I don't want it to ever get overbooked or we can't stay there.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's at risk. <laughs> just because Detroit has such a, there's a stigma to it, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's valid in a way. Like we took an Uber ride, and the guy's like, "Listen, if you go in the wrong direction, it is dangerous, legitimately." Yeah. And I, I just think if you do somewhere, you got to do it right.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And
1: you know, the, you take the take advantage of that things are a little bit cheaper over there, but you can live in the lap of luxury if you plan.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, we did it right. And I say, in the spirit of doing it right, let's move on to our interview with Dr. Cindy Huffington.
1: But before we do that, let's let everyone know who we are supported by.
0: We are supported by Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable clothing company founded and created in Toronto.
1: An hour outside of Hamilton.
0: Nice and close. And Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity, and they make the best basics That you can get for your kids. I'm talking fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfy, timeless, and can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. And we had the kids decked out in Mini Miosh tonight for the Santa Claus Parade.
1: I'm wearing a Mini Miosh winter hat (laughs) as we speak. And it is the best, most comfortable hat I've ever worn in my life.
0: Well, that's the thing. They have a new like winter collection out, like outerwear. So they have scarves for kids. They've got toques for adults, toques for kids. And it is all so cozy and so warm. And like, it looks, it looks amazing. I'm
1: putting my name on the line that I stand by this quality. (laughs) Tell them Shane sent you.
0: (laughs) Mini Miosh also now has a women's collection out, which is something that we've been, you know, crossing our fingers for, for years. And I am absolutely in love. So this is the M and West collection. It's simple. It's made of French Terry and it's ethical and sustainable. All the things that you love about Mini Miosh, it's super high quality and just like, it feels amazing to wear. I I rarely have taken it off since I got like a shipment in last week. Like it's you, true.
1: Might want to throw it in the lawn.
0: Get out of here. All of their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non toxic dyes. You can find the company online at mini com or at mini on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the code ThisFamilyTree15, you're getting 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the US and it is one use per customer. So load up your carts. Again, that is mini com and ThisFamilyTree15.
1: But we are also supported by
0: True Earth. And if you listen to our podcast, you know that Shane and I have been trying to reduce our environmental footprint.
1: And you also know that we are. We-
0: <laughs> I didn't know you are stopping there. We are. And we started dipping our, you know, toe into this environmentally friendly pond with switching our laundry detergent, Shane's giving me a look, by switching our liquid laundry detergent and plastic jugs with True Earth Laundry Detergent Strips. So it is such an easy way to start being more environmental in your home. And it's it sticks. So this detergent comes in these soluble strips. You simply rip them apart, toss them in the, in the machine, and there's no plastic packaging. So it takes up like zero space in your laundry room. I think we have four years worth of laundry in there.
1: Yeah, whether you care about the environment or not, I don't know, maybe you're listening and maybe you're a... Denier of some sort. (laughs) Who cares? It just keeps your house neater.
0: And it works so well.
1: Yeah. So this isn't just for liberals, this (laughs) is for everyone. it is
0: it is no honestly it it works beautifully it keeps everything so clean and we go for the kids we get the baby detergent because you know it's fragrance free it's soft on everybody's skin and it works so tough still and shane really took a liking to the lilac breeze scent which we have been getting for our clothes lately and it's just it smells like what a spring morning
1: i don't know if you put flowers in something i'll It all smells the same to me. But yes, (laughs) for the sake of your little speech here, I'm in love with the Lilac Breeze.
0: So check out True Earth Detergent at true.earth and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 to get 10% off your order. And your order might be a single time order delivery or it could be a subscription. And you're going to get 10% off of your entire subscription, which is huge savings. So you're going to love this product. Take our word for it. Again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytree10. And now let's get to our interview with Cindy. We had a great discussion the last episode you were on. It was amazing. And it was one of those where I'm like, I need Cindy back. (laughs) And even today, prepping, I'm looking at the topics and then I was like, oh, man, you know, I want to keep it down to this, you know, one or two topics for this interview. But there's still so many things that I'm like I want to ask you about. So that's the thing. I'm already <laughs> I'm planning for number 3 Cindy. Um yeah. <laughs> but I do want to talk about emotional regulation. Okay? So right now as the time of this recording, my kids are 4 and 2. And when I like just when I think I get a handle on things, I get thrown for a loop and then there's, you know, a new situation I don't know how to control and how to get on top of or I'm too exhausted to be able to parent how I want in that situation. And it gets really tough. And with Betty, now two years old, going to daycare, she's coming home every day, almost every day, not every day, but, and having these like big freakouts, these meltdowns. And somebody messaged me like, oh, well, you know, that's because she's not getting enough support during the day and she can let it out with you. And I'm like, I know she's letting it out with me, but she is. It's a really loving daycare. She gets a lot of support. It's not that. What it, What is this? And like, how do I <laughs> how do I get on top of it? Because it's <laughs> it's hard. I'm tired, too. It's hard to deal with when both of us are tired and frustrated. Well, I was just gonna say I, I think we
2: always have to start with ourselves, right? Because at the end of the day, we're tired to. Working home or kids, wherever you are, at the end of the day is rough. So it starts off because we're not going to handle their emotions as well as we will at 7am or maybe sometimes at 7am. We don't even manage their emotions. as you know. It just depends on us. But a, a lot of the time when a child is that young first, their brain is still developing so quickly and learning a lot from their environment. So we have to remember that at two years old, we can't expect them to deal well, feeling overwhelmed or feeling stressed about something or worried or, or sad or disappointed. So they're not going to deal with it that well, which is hard for us. But secondly, the thing from daycare, coming back from school, or even kids in, in daycare or school, it's that it's you're tired, you're overwhelmed, and you're overstimulated. I don't know if you experienced that. For myself, I experienced that as a parent. I didn't know I would get overstimulated. And around that time of 4 p.m. at night or in the afternoon. My kids would like come and jump in my arms, like, just stop it. <laughs> just get off. Yeah. Or like they would scream, like, could you guys just stop? But they've been doing it all day. And I haven't said a word, but all of a sudden that's that sudden little screech, just like, it's like, you know, nails on a chalkboard. Oh, like it's God. just yeah, like I stop. Right. And, and, and so. That's why it comes back to us too, because if you anticipate that around 4 or 5 p.m. you are feeling a certain way and can't, you're overstimulated because of your day, imagine a child who's been in an environment that's been loud all day that might have been touchy-feely because kids are all over you and they'll play that way and that's okay. But by the end of the day, their entire system is off. And our sensory system and the thalamus and a part of the brain that just takes in everything from our environment is connected to the amygdala, the emotions. And that's that was one of my aha moments. I was like, oh. That makes a lot of sense. I didn't have this problem before kids, but my environment wasn't this nuts. (laughs) Like, you know, we would be, I'd be at work in a lab and it was quiet. And then I'd go home and it was quiet. I had dinner with my husband. And now it's like three kids jumping on my lap after dinner and just like push off the forehead kind of feeling, you know, like Mm -hmm. just get off. (laughs) So, yeah. And that's why we have to be mindful of our kids and and being overstimulated.
0: So when when it comes down to our you know being overstimulated as parents like how can we how can we recognize that before we're at the point where we're like like you said just the forehead push away get off me (laughs) like how do we how can we recognize that and is there anything we can do to stop it or is it like once we're overstimulated we're overstimulated and all hell breaks loose (laughs)
2: No, we can't. We can monitor ourselves. I do this. I don't know if you played like Mortal Kombat. (laughs) I used to play that when I was young. So I I think of all these gaming, you know, like these lifelines. I don't know what the actual word is for it, but you would start off like with a full lifeline and you were in the green zone. And then all of a sudden you get kicked in the head a couple of times and you're in the yellow zone and then you're in the red zone and then you're flashing and you're dead. Right. Like I think of that. And I always use this visual throughout the day. I use it when I wake up. I think about my lifeline let's call it and my meter of like stress and and sense, senses for myself because if you start doing that it takes 3 seconds of your brain like like you know energy to just think of where am i right now and when you start your day that way you realize that sometimes you wake up in the green you feel rested you had a great day a, a great night nobody woke up and you're you you know everything is good but then sometimes you might have gone to bed and argued with a partner or your kids might have been up all night and you wake up and you're already in the yellow zone or you're, you're already in the red zone. You're not flashing, but you're in the red zone, which means that when your child is going to, I don't know, drop, spill their milk or drop something and, or scream or have attention because you're putting their socks the wrong way, you're also going to lose your, you know, you're going to lose it because... You don't have the energy to deal with it and you don't care right now. You you can't. You're human. So I think once we start assessing ourselves just mentally throughout our day, especially on our way home from work or if we're home and our kids are getting home or it's four o'clock and we've been home with our kids all day just to keep checking in with yourself. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you're able to build that self-compassion because your child will say something or have that tantrum at four o'clock in the afternoon. And you can at least say to yourself, I'm I'm starting this in the yellow zone or I'm starting this moment in the red zone. I know that I'm going to lose it mm-hmm. if I don't take a deep breath or I don't want to deal with this right now. I can't. If I deal with this meltdown that my child is having in front of me, I will scream. I will yell. I will not regulate my emotions. So I just need to take a deep breath, walk away. Let them know. Don't completely ignore them, but just say like, mommy your daddy's going to take a deep breath right now. I'll be back. Give me a minute go to the bathroom, come back, whatever you need to do, but just, they'll still be, (laughs) they'll still be there. And odds are they'll still be in their moment of like frustration because they got the blue cup instead of the red cup, you know, like that moment will still be there and then come back when your needs are met for that 10 seconds, 30 seconds, minute, whatever you need, and then address their needs. I know Mm -hmm. you're disappointed. I could see, you know, that you really, really want that red cup, but it's in the dishwasher and it's not washed and I don't have time to wash it. I will, you know, you'll have it tomorrow. Stick with it. You know, we don't have to give in to them, but just addressing their emotions, you know, like and and just letting them know that we see them, we hear them, but we can't change a boundary if they're not happy with it. And we can't change. We have control over certain things. You know, if they want another piece of cheese or a snack, we can maybe offer them that, but we can't give them a cake. If they want a full cake? You know, like we we can show them that we have control over some things and and not over other things
1: and
0: limitations and I relate to the cup analogy because we had that issue literally last night like the exact (laughs) same issue something needed to be washed it was in the dishwasher she wanted it and I was like no it was left in the car over the weekend it's stinky you can't have it and it was a whole it was a whole thing and I like you using the colors yeah like the mortal Kombat life bar (laughs) right But even just thinking about colors, like, okay, I'm in the green zone. I have the capacity for this. I'm in yellow. My capacity is getting smaller. I'm in the red. My capacity is almost gone. I need to go and recuperate and get that life bar up, even if it's just for one moment of deep breathing. But I've seen even in education, like, Uh, different colors to show kids for emotional regulation. And it's a way to like broach it with kids. Like there'll be um, a kid with a really angry face and it'll be red behind them and then green smiling. So how how can we use that with our kids? Because I've seen these things, but I have never broached it that Mm -hmm. way with my kids. Although I've been speaking with Lucy lately more and more about regulating her emotions. So, and I think that's a good way to bring it in.
2: Yeah, it's a good way to bring it in because it's a visual and it's simple. And for them, what we want to do is start off with the easy emotions that we could explain anger, sadness and and happiness. Right. And just stick with those for now. And and that's why the colors come in and really help the child to understand, like, okay, I'm in this zone. So there's different ways I've seen like color zones, I've seen just like the faces, like you said. Mm-hmm. I have a print down on my website, I call it Meltdown Mountain, and I have the visual of a mountain because I think that in addition to knowing that you're in the green, the yellow, and then the red zone, for for us to teach them about the full concept of right re- of motion regulation skills green zone at the bottom of the mountain means like you're fully regulated, you're calm, you're happy. Once you start climbing up that mountain, then you're in the yellow zone and now that's the right time to apply tools. We'll talk about that in in, in a moment, but first it's just knowing that there are different emotions and every emotion will bring you to the top. You might be a little worried, a little more worried or really worried to the point that you're in the red zone For me, that visual is at the top of the mountain for the child, because at the top of the mountain, there's nothing you can do. (laughs) And it's the same because parents often ask me, they'll say, you know, my child is having a tantrum. And I was like in their face going, breathe. It's okay, fine," And they were just screaming and, you know, and yelling at me. And it's because don't (laughs) just don't. It's not the right time. Top of the mountain equals let them be. Same thing for us, right? Like if we're at the top of our own mountain and we're with our partner and they're like, just relax. There's nothing to be worried about. And you're like, just did you just did you just say relax (laughs) it's the worst time to tell somebody to calm down or to relax or Mm -hmm. that there's you know so red zone is to respect that the person is really at the top not regulated they are dysregulated and and dysregulated looks very different for other for everybody you know dysregulated for a child means a tantrum screaming crying throwing themselves on the floor hitting cry it's all that entire spectrum of really expressing externally what your emotions feel like internally and then you let time pass and then they're at the top of the mountain and they'll slowly descend down the mountain and end up back in that yellow zone once they're back in that yellow zone, then you could reintroduce, you know, like, let's go to the calming corner if you have one in your home or let's read a book together. You know, I saw that you, you got really upset about this and I try. I, so my kids are three, five and seven and the five and seven year old use this, not the three year old yet. But they say when you're in the red zone, your brain has trouble hearing and your brain oh. has trouble thinking. So. That way they understand that when they're in the red zone, I'll let them know. I'll say it out loud. Your brain can't hear me very well right now, even though I'm telling you like there's nothing wrong. But I'll wait until you come back down the mountain. So I I step away. I show them that like I, I understand what they're going through. And that even if I'm telling them like that this cup will give them the same amount, the same the water will taste the same, regardless of the cup. By the way, whoever invented different colored cups and different kinds of cups, like everything oh, done should with be the them. same, right? I not even IKEA, different colored ones. Just it's the worst. (laughs) Sorry, I don't like the person who (laughs) who created this. (laughs) It's the worst, anyways. But yes, you know, like. Obviously, you're telling the child the water will be the same in the blue cup or the red cup, but they don't care because when you're dysregulated, your amygdala and your emotion part of the brain is is not connecting to the frontal part behind your forehead. It's not thinking, it's not rationalizing through your emotions, which is what we want them. That's the ultimate goal of being regulated. It's your boss telling you something that really you want to like flip the table, but you don't because you're regulating yourself. You're using communication. You're using you know, whatever you have to use internally to manage the emotions, to not express it a certain way externally. That's the end goal.
0: And like, it, it's hard for me a lot of the time mm-hmm. to sit there and not like want to scream or shout mm-hmm. or like shake something. It's so hard. <laughs> and I yeah. am an adult who's, I, I think, pretty well emotionally regulated. So no wonder kids have a hard time with it, especially younger ones. And now you have to tell me, okay, we're at the top of the mountain. Kid is at the top of the mountain. Their brain is not hearing. Their brain is not able to communicate what is wrong at this point or what I can do. It's a mess. What do I do? Do I just, do I sit there and, and say, I'm right here when you're ready and just keep reminding of that them of that, but kind of get on with things? Like, what do I do? Yeah,
2: a child wants to feel secure. So when they're dysregulated, their nervous system is looking, is kind of scouting the environment and saying like, am I safe here? Is is this a safe place for me to express these emotions? Which is why, by the way, most children will express bigger emotions at home, because it is their safe space, right? So we're just going to, going to remind them that they're safe in this, in this place. And the reason why we're doing that as well is because their cortisol and their, their stress levels are increasing when they're dysregulated. It happens to all of us, but we just want to say like you're, you know, as long as they didn't hit somebody or hurt somebody else in their environment, then I, I do distance them away and say, I need to keep you safe and I need to keep your sister or your brother safe. I'm, I'm putting you in different corners but I'm here. And when you're, you're back, you know, when you come back down the mountain, we use that in our home, then we'll have a talk, you know, but during that moment, I do give them space, remind them that they're safe and I'm keeping them safe and I'm here, but I will wait for them to come down. Cause there's, and there's no right or wrong way. Like I, I think I posted about tantrums this week. I personally, I use it because that's what we use a lot, but tantrums is just, it's an emotion. It's a child expressing their emotion. And I think if we start using different words and start understanding that uh, adults have tantrums too. (laughs) I I know lots of adults. I've had tantrums. I I mean, I've had moments again, going back to emotion regulation skills, the the science behind it is how are you managing an emotion both internally and externally? And the external part is a behavior. So if we take that science definition of an emotion of of emotion regulation skills, we do it too. I've had moments where I regulate my anger wrong internally i either keep it in and don't say something i should have said or i externalize it by yelling at somebody or my partner or a friend we've all had those are those are tantrums right according to what we're seeing with our kids Mm -hmm. and we have a fully developed frontal lobe which is telling us how to regulate our emotions so we have to give our kids the space to develop Mm -hmm. these skills because they will take a long time to develop You know, by early elementary school, we should see a big difference compared to two years old, obviously, but it's going to take time because then their brain goes through a lot of stuff in in, in adolescence and their frontal lobe develops until their 20s. So we need to give them time and and understand that as annoying as it is, (laughs) as annoying as it could be when they don't want that cup or when you did what they said and they're mad at you and you're you're looking at them saying, I don't get you. I don't get how you are functioning and I don't get your brain. That you just remember that you are acting as that external part. You are that frontal lobe for them, so they're going to experience the emotion because their amygdala and emotions are functioning super well. So they're going to express frustration at 100% of you know of its of its ability. But then we are their frontal lobe. So once we've identified all these emotions with them, we had said that a few minutes ago, you know, understanding what the basics are, what do you, what anger is, what sadness is, and what happiness is, we need to highlight that as well. What does happiness look like and feel like? That's the next step. What do these emotions look like and feel like when you have them? And the way that, the way that you move on to that next level of emotion regulation is by modeling it yourself. Say it out loud when you're happy. Say it out loud when you're feeling frustrated. Now, slowly, we start to introduce more vocabulary around emotions because it's not just happy, sad, and mad. There's worried, there's anxious, there's nervous, there's envious, there's frustrated, frus- you know, feeling frustrated or disappoint- uh, disappointed. So, we need to start expanding their vocabulary and then using those words for ourselves when we're around them and saying, I'm so disappointed that we only have one egg when I needed two to make pancakes, you know, and now that you start showing them when you experience these they're gonna see um there's uh it's called the tripartite model of parental socialization and basically this is the biggest influence on a child's emotion regulation skills and there are three parts to this model first one is how a parent models their their own emotions mm-hmm. around their child because they see it by the way even if we internalize it and we're like yeah maybe i'm not good like at doing this but i internalize it my kid doesn't know they know they yeah. they know and <laughs> I, I, when I had my third child, I don't know if we spoke about that last time, but when I had my third child, I started like not doing well mentally. I had three young kids in my house, two in diapers, and one that was under, I had three kids under four years. And I would sing through like difficult moments, like, old mcdonald or like random kid songs i don't know something from coco melon or simple songs or whatever it was and i would sing through it because they were in my head and i was just like clenching my jaw and like and singing the song and my daughter who was not even four at that time came to me one day this was like after a couple months of doing this and she's like why are you mad and i was like how do you know this is my trick my trick for you not to see that i'm angry but yes i'm like overwhelmed and and you know all of that so it reminded me that she knew exactly. And then I decided to go to therapy because <laughs> I needed to <laughs> I needed to learn how to do this. Um, but just to say, like, our kids know. So if we think that we're internalizing it or like hiding emotions after we had an argument, you know, they see it. They feel it. They, it's emotions are felt inside and outside. And so we have to really model, you know, good socially, uh, good emotion mm-hmm. regulation skills. The second one is how are we parenting our child? That plays a big role in how they learn to express their emotions. It goes back to that safe space. Are we allowing our kids to be okay with sadness? Are we allowing them not, not to be okay with sadness, but to show them that it's okay to be sad. I might not agree with you being sad because you didn't get that blue cup, but you're allowed to be sad and let me help you move through it and past it. Like, you know, that's what we're going to have to show them. And the parenting style is balancing like that sensitivity and empathy towards your child with the boundaries. So if if there's a parenting style within the home, that's more about like rules and regulation, you know, rules and limits and and not allowing a child to express emotions, then even if the parent is talking about them a lot, then the child doesn't feel safe to express all of those emotions, anger and whatever it is. So that's the second part of this model. And the third part is the hard part, especially with the pandemic, is how are the people in the home Um, modeling emotions together because the child is listening and I know that's hard I've spoken with so many parents the past couple of years well through the pandemic being in the same home is not easy right and we butt heads a lot more and kids were around all of this so we've been seeing I get a lot of emails about like behavior in kids and like how do we help them with their behavior it's off the charts and they're so aggressive and and schools are calling me you know I have to give talks in schools to talk about aggressive like aggressive behavior But they're surprised when it all comes back down to emotions and the environment and the home and how do we, you know, assess what's going on around them. It's not to point fingers at the home, but we really do need to think about what's happening around them. So thinking about how we argue with our partner it's not wrong to argue with our partner in front of our kids but are we being respectful are we regulating emotions in a way where we're balancing Mm -hmm. communicating them and expressing them and then are we like if there's a rupture or the child sees that there was a big argument are we coming back together i don't know i forgot the name now but kind of like um fixing it at the end right and Mm. reconnecting and and repairing that's the word Yeah. yeah exactly So that's part of like social emotional skills and emotional intelligence and, you know, being kind to each other, even if you're upset, you don't, there's certain words we don't use and name calling and leave, you know, like, so that's what those three things are really important and and have a huge role in how a child learns to regulate their own emotions. And I know that it's hard because a lot, no, not a lot, everything falls on us. (laughs) Um, But, you know, the more that we could kind of, even if we don't know, how to regulate our emotions this is something I struggled with and why even if I knew the research it didn't mean that I internalized a lot yeah. but I came from a, an so environment in a home yeah and and I think that's what's hard you know because in and my my mom she was a single mom and she she tried her best but it, for her it was just like don't if you're anything else than happy in this house then you're being rude and you're disrespecting me like that was just the way that it was so I had to kind of Keep it all in because you know. Again, she was raised that way as well, so she didn't know any better. She, to her, that's how it was, and the anger and the sadness had to be internalized a lot. And now, all of a sudden, you have this child in front of you who's expressing anger and sadness, and you have to help them through it. When you're like, "Why well, I just? I go to the fridge," <laughs> or like, you know, like ice creams. My friend, yeah, ice cream is there, and we're gonna go have a moment tonight. But how do I help my child in this moment if they're clearly losing their, losing their minds in front of me. And I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what to say to my child. And now I have to help them and model it for them. I don't know how to do this. So we have to take the time to go back to our past and think of like, how did our parents express their emotions? If they didn't, you know, how did that impact us? Is this impacting our relationship? Are we able to communicate our emotions with our partner, with our friends? When we disagree, can we set boundaries? You know, can we, safely express our emotions together all of there's so much for us to look at before we start helping our
0: child and i had to work on it no and i i do too and i, I think if you don't may, i maybe you're not reflecting hard enough honestly because mm. i i mm. don't know anybody who's at that point and it, it really is tough and what i find the most difficult it's like if you know, I'm in the green. If my life bar is in the green, I have all the patience in the world and I can sit there and I can be a gentle parent and I can do things slowly and talk them through it and be there and walk the whole way with them. But then if I'm at my limit and I need to get things done, like I think of trying to get out the door to go to work in the morning and get the kids to daycare, get the lunches made, get myself ready and not be late for work, and my kid is freaking out because I put her shoes on when she wanted to put them on. Oh gosh. And it's is? like, really, is this the thing? And then she puts them on, but she puts them on backwards, and then it's a whole big thing. and then we're saying that, and that's when I start to lose my patience or mm. at bedtime when I'm, you know, kissing them for the 475th time <laughs> and tucking them in and getting them another stuffy, another snack. And it's like, <laughs> I have a podcast to do. I have my own dinner to make. I want to go to sleep. Like, why mm. can't you just sleep? Mm. That's when it gets yeah. difficult for me. And it's like, yeah, going out and taking a breath helps, but it's not the solve. And as as a parent, it's, it's hard to know what the solve is, like how to do this. You know, if taking a breath and walking away for a moment is like on the micro scale, is the macro scale. If you're stuck in that cycle and don't know how to get out of it, is that therapy? Uh, I love that question. So I, I always,
2: I think I had a podcast episode myself where I talked about like running your home, like a business, right? So something isn't working. I go back to, it. I don't know why I do it this way, but I reassess and I reassess and say, what is working? What isn't? So let's just use your example. I express So I work at night. So, which is why bedtime for me, just my husband puts three to bed. And when I do it, I'm stressed the entire time because <laughs> I have things to do and deadlines to meet that night. And it's like 8 PM or 9 PM and I'm losing my crap. So it's that, first of all, that's our capacity, right? So already we know that you're not in the green zone because you have already a lot on your mind. So you're going into that situation with that. But if you're repeating this situation and you're like, it's not working, like, what can we fix in that moment? If you have a podcast and you're recording at 8 p.m., you can't change that. But what can you change? You know, like, and, and it, is there anything that we can do in our home to make things a bit easier? Can we give our kids a bit more responsibility? I've That's something I learned as a mom with three kids. I was doing everything on my own. And I was like, wait a second. Why? They they know how to get dressed. Why am I dressing them and losing like (laughs) 30 seconds? I know it's just 30 seconds, but it adds up. It adds up, And also it's usually not 30 seconds because you didn't put the pants on. Right. And I don't want those socks and I want the other pajamas. So you know what? Do it yourself. But you have two minutes and, you know, there's a timer and like get in bed and and there's not also there isn't a solution to everything. I think there's times where I just lose my shit and that's fine. And and we don't have time to figure things out. And the next day is a new day. <laughs> and And that's where the self-compassion piece comes in. You know, like it's we won't get it all right. And there's I think sometimes we let those it's like a snowball effect of like I messed up yesterday and yelled at my kids. And now this morning I got up and I got mad that they spilled their milk or <laughs> that they needed help with their shoes. I was like, just put your shoes on or whatever it is. And we make that into the snowball effect when in the end it's not, they don't care. Let's, yeah. let's be like them. Let's move past that. Let's bring in the self. You know, I, I had interviewed um a researcher from Europe and he focused on emotion regulation skills and, and self-compassion. And he said, if there's one thing that every single human can fix and help themselves be kinder to those that they're with when it comes to emotions and regulate their own emotions a lot better, it's the self-compassion piece that was the one thing that we can all change. But it's so hard because we it's that, like I said, that snowball effect of guilt. And then we we might start the next day with yesterday's guilt, but it should be gone. It, it, why are we doing this to ourselves? It's, it's fine. It's like a bad business deal. Then the next day you're on to the next. <laughs> you have no choice. Your kids are the part of this business you're running in your home. And you just have to say, If you can, how can I change? What do I have control over? What don't I have control over? What can I change in my home? Reassess the situation. In your example of a child coming home at 4 p.m. and really struggling with their emotions, how can I change their environment? Because we often zoom into the child and their behavior or their emotion or the situation. But if we zoom out, we realize that there are so many pieces to this one problem It could be that um, somebody that I was working with, her child was struggling in daycare after school, not during the day, only at daycare. First, they found out that he had sensory sensitivities. So when by the end of the day, all that noise and that sound and the light was really getting to him. Yeah, it was a lot. But then the second thing was there was a specific um, educator at the daycare that was calling him a brat. Yeah, she was saying, like, stop being such a little brat like you're but the parent didn't know that. And she ended up pulling him out of the daycare. And when she put him back, that teacher was gone. And all of a sudden things were different. And then the child, he was young. He was six years old. He opened up and said like that teacher wasn't nice to him. But just to say like she was struggling with him. She thought she was going to bring him to a psychologist because she thought Something was wrong with him, but it was the environment. So again, it's it's you know we have to really look at the whole picture, the entire picture, because there might be something off that we don't realize. You know, like is my child feeling safe throughout the entire day? When they're coming home, maybe we're yelling and they're not feeling safe in those moments, and we just need to like take the moment to read a book, like a 10-minute book before supper time and come down with them in that moment, like bring our nervous system down, make ourselves feel safe and make our child feel safe. Then we've connected with them, they feel comfortable and then we can make dinner a little bit more peacefully than we would if we just, we're, we're always on the go
0: and kids feel that. So there's so many factors. All right, Cindy, we're gonna take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs makes The best bras you can get your hands on. So I got hooked on them when I was nursing. Hooked or clipped? Hooked and clipped for their nursing bras. (laughs) Hooked to the back, clipped on the front. Got you. But they were so practical and so comfortable and just incredible quality. So I didn't really want to use anything else because they were amazing. And now that I have weaned my second baby and I'm out of the nursing bra world, bravado designs has an everyday collection so these are bras with no clips but it's the same quality the same comfort that you fell in love with with the nursing collection
1: i weaned you off your other bras (laughs) and because i'm the one who introduced you to bravado designs
0: it's true it's true, and then, and then you got me hooked on their everyday collection. Yeah.
1: What was so funny there? Is there something so funny about me weaning you?
0: you there's a lot of funny about that. Got but you. You can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com, or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. Again, that's bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20.
1: But we are also supported by
0: the Miku Pro Smart Baby Monitor. So this is probably the most accurate sleep and breathing monitor ever.
1: Well, maybe legally we have to say probably, but I think off the record, it is.
0: I agree. Off the record. I totally agree. There one like major thing that i love about this smart monitor is if you okay if you start doing research on them you notice a lot of them need to put something on your baby so they can accurately track the vitals and the breathing right the miku pro smart baby monitor does not it uses this like military-grade thing called sensor fusion technology and it just it just looks at your baby and can tell you everything
1: Yeah, like I was listening to a podcast the other day with John Mulaney Mm -hmm. and he was just slipping in. He's like, yeah, we just got a new baby and I was watching him on the Miku. He just casually, he dropped it. So I'm like, geez, the celebs are using the Miku. It must be the best.
0: That makes me feel kind of cool.
1: They can afford anything.
0: Yeah, no, it is. It is so incredible. And it works with your phone to alert you of like changes to your baby's vitals or nursery conditions. It's crisp crypto security, so you can't hack it.
1: Sorry, hackers, <laughs> the you mo- nerds.
0: <laughs> the monitor also offers HD video and photo and like the best night vision that you could probably get. Plus, there's custom dual Ole Wolf speakers Ow. and a two-way microphone, which means that Miku not only plays like original sleep sounds and lullabies, but allows you to talk to and comfort your baby. So there's really everything you need, plus a ton of security benefits added to it. And you can get this at MikuCare.com. And if you use the promo code FamilyTree10, you're getting 10% off. This is available in the US only. But again, that is MikuCare.com and FamilyTree10.
1: And when we say talk to and comfort your baby, we mean, Lou, go to bed. (laughs) Lou, leave Betty alone. (laughs) Anyway, let's get back to your interview.
0: It's like thinking about the the school thing, right? Uh, So Lucy's in school for the first time this year, and she she mostly loves it. But then some days, like more days than I would have anticipated, she's like, "Oh well, maybe I want to stay home today. Maybe I don't want to go to school today." And she'll try to say, "Let's just snuggle on the couch all day," or just you know (laughs) what I mean. And I'm sure there's many factors, but. One thing that was interesting to me was that so she kind of got in trouble last week, and it was her first time getting in trouble at school. So she was convincing a friend to put his <laughs> his well, okay. I'll start. I'll start earlier in the story, but uh, she came home and she was really upset, right? And she goes, "I got in trouble today," and she was crying and upset. And I said, "Well, honey, like that's that's okay. What happened?" And she goes, "I'm too ashamed to tell you." And I was like, "That it's just heartbreaking, oh, right? Yeah. It was heartbreaking. And then I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, okay, what happened? And I want her to feel better. And I also want to make sure something terrible didn't happen. So I messaged the teacher and the teacher was amazing. And she got back to me uh, right away, like, you know, even after office hours. And she just said that Lucy was sitting at lunch and convinced her friend to put his snap piece in his water bottle and they were putting (laughs) snap it was a science experiment (laughs) (laughs) and then she was asked to go and speak with somebody in the classroom just to be like hey lucy we don't play with our food that's you know your friend has to eat his, his lunch we don't want to encourage them to do something that they shouldn't and it impacted her so much that this was now two weeks ago and even today She was bringing it up and saying, I got in trouble once and I'm trying to learn from that mistake. And but then she's saying things like, but it was his idea to do it. I just I just thought it was funny. And she really wants to separate herself from being the instigator. But it really, really impacted her. And she did not want to go to school the next day. She was really embarrassed. She was too ashamed to tell me. I let her like after knowing what it was, I was like, okay. I'll see when she tells me, but it took her like three days. I wasn't prying her much. I just wanted her to do it on her own terms, but it took about three days and she's still like impacted by it. So like, how can I, how can I support her here? And like, I don't know, what am I doing wrong in that situation or what I could be doing more right No, I think I think you approach it really
2: well in the sense that you want to give them that space. I think what you want to do at this point is she was internalizing to a certain point, right? Like she Mm -hmm. didn't want to express. And there are many different emotions. Sometimes it's more than one emotion, right? That we're experiencing at the same time. So if we're sad that we disappointed a teacher, or nervous about it when worried, or like you said, feeling ashamed that like she did something wrong, expressing it's it's I think it's good to keep bringing it up. Like it's sometimes. And this comes with like a lot of, um, I forget what the situation was, but there's a parent who expressed to me that they don't want to bring things up that like will cause uncomfortable emotions in their child. So bringing up this event, some parents might feel like, well, it happened, she said it, and now it's over and let's move on. But it's actually the best situation to keep bringing up to express how you feel about it or how to get more of her emotions out of it to get it out of her system too. And, and to, you can draw, you know, something about it. You can storytell around it. What would you have done differently if it's the inverse and somebody had done something to her or she, she even asking about how, Like in this situation, it's different though. Like, I I don't know if the other person was like sad or mad about it or just laughing. I'm assuming they laughed, but who knows, you know, like maybe he lost a snappy and he wanted to eat it. I don't know. (laughs) Like we, it's just about these, this is when the modeling comes in and this is when the conversations happen. It's, it's about bringing things back and just saying like, how did you feel when that happened? Or how did that make you feel when they said that to you? Or how do you think they felt when you did that? And even bringing up the teacher at this point, do you? how do you think she felt or he felt when they came to get you? Because she might think that they were really disappointed in her when in the end it was a learning opportunity for them, right? Saying, well, we don't play with her food and she might not have known that. Bring up all the variables. Did you know that you can't do that in school? Well, no, I didn't. Well, then it was a mistake. You were having fun or not putting words in their mouth, but like trying to get them to really assess the situation because- This is actually part of emotion regulation. It's there's, so there are three really healthy or adaptive ways to regulate your emotions. Problem solving like this. So I'm feeling a certain way. What can I have done differently if this situation comes up again? Or how can I change this situation? So that's the problem solving part. Then there's not reassessing. I forget, why am I forgetting the word? kind of reassessing (laughs) um and and basically it's it's going over the situation to see let's say a child who loses a soccer game or you have two kids that lose a soccer game you might have one child that screams and cries and says this is the worst day ever um and I have one of my my kids like that (laughs) same situation and like two of them are like okay who cares and the other one's like why is my life the worst right so (laughs) I know that I have (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I have to like give more attention to that so kids will approach those situations very differently. And one, and another child might say, well, you know, or we have to teach them this, but to show them that, well, you know, you, you did lose the soccer Mm -hmm. game, but maybe you have to practice next time, or maybe you guys just had a day where things weren't meshing you. You weren't like communicating well in the field or just showing them that you could reassess a certain situation and change the um, valence or change the, the, Like the um, amount of emotions that comes around it. Like you could be mad, but you don't have to be at the top of your mountain. You might be like a little bit mad or you might. So those two skills are really important. And that's why having that discussion with your daughter and anybody's situation, it doesn't matter what it is. It's they're all learning opportunities. Something happened at school and your child talks to you about it. They saw so-and-so be really mean to this other student. Bring it up. Let's talk about it. What happened? How did it make you feel watching this? How did it? How did the teachers react? What did you think they've, you know, were they mad? How do you know they were mad? Did they like have certain expressions Mm -hmm. or how do you know you were worried? Did your stomach hurt or were your palms getting sweaty? All of that is really like part of emotional intelligence is understanding myself. How does it feel to express or to experience sadness? How does it feel to experience anger? How does it feel to experience anger? That's just a little anger versus a lot of anger, right? So always having these discussions. And then the last part of emotion regulation is what do I do with these emotions? When I'm feeling worried, let's say in in your situation, if she was worried to tell you why, you know, and and how can you um, externalize that next time instead of waiting three days, which is fine, she's learning, but... Can you uh, now she's maybe too young, but, you know, can you write about it? Can you draw a picture about it? Can we have a a, a corner in the home with some paper, small pieces of paper in different color, like different crayons? And I, that would help me know, like maybe yellow is for worry, maybe blue is for calm and red, you know, the color monster book. There are ways that we could create safe spaces to externalize these emotions in healthy ways. So to make sure that a child doesn't get used to internalizing them and feel shame for any emotion or, you know, and, and that, that's going to take time. It, it takes time to learn
0: that. And there's one thing I read on your Instagram account. You were recounting a story about your son. So you were putting him in bed. It, it was a long time, long process. And he's like, there's a witch in my room. And do you know Always, what I'm talking yeah. about? <laughs> yes, but I'm trying to remember what happened in this. <laughs> so you, um, yeah. you ended up taking, like you were saying in your write-up, you're like, this was ridiculous. I did not agree with his negative emotions thinking that there was a witch. But I still took, you know, four minutes to look for the witch with him, to show him there was no witch. And it was about the fact that fewer than 50% of parents typically agree with their child's negative emotions. So it's usually us saying, "No, like don't feel like that. No, don't be worried about this thing. No." So I want I want to talk about that a little bit because Just with how our conversation's going, you know, I'm trying to think of different things that happen every single day in my house, too, where it's like my kids like this freaking blue cup versus the (laughs) red cup. It's like, no, you don't need the stupid blue cup, you know, but it's like the the kid just they want it and it's for some crazy reason it's important to them. So what is the importance of maybe sometimes agreeing with them and validating them like that? So two things, if a parent is listening to this, I want them to know like there are moments where I don't look for the witch
2: <laughs> and there be, and just because I don't want parents to feel like I have to do this every time yeah. or you have to do this every time because we're not, we it's not possible, right? Like it's, it's even less than that 80, 20 rule. Like it's like a 60, 40 thing with mm-hmm. parenting, like 60% of the time, just try to be calm, let's say, you know, like for emotion yeah. regulation skills. So, but yes, I wanted to highlight it because I forget where the study was from in the research, but we don't, we don't um, acknowledge our kids' feelings enough. And it's true because if you think about, especially my three and five-year-old, if I, if I think about the beginning of the day, where a certain pair of socks is going to upset them. like Or they can't find the matching Paw Patrol socks. And I'm like, who cares? We're in our home. We're home. Like my three-year-old's home. It's, it's fine. Just like put whatever socks. Look, I haven't folded the laundry. So just whatever socks you <laughs> find are great, you know? But so at, at that moment, I've actually... Um, turned back his emotion Like I've I've turned it down. I have not agreed with his emotion. And then we go downstairs. And then there's I don't know. Um, I I don't feel like cooking oatmeal or preparing something for them. So you're gonna have cereal or a toast. But I'm really sad. I really wanted oatmeal. I okay, fine. But I, we're not having oatmeal. I again have already you know turn down their emotion and then it's time to leave and they want to put their shoes and I'm like let me just put it we're late I've turned down mm-hmm. or they're like sad because they couldn't do it I've turned down their emotion we get in the car they want to put their seatbelt. no but please I want it I've turned it down again And there's it's I'm saying the behavior like tying themselves or putting their shoes but there's an emotion behind it and I've at every single point turned down their emotion versus and I'm not telling a parent to let them tie their shoes and let them put their seatbelt on because I know we're going to be, you'll be late for work. So it's, I, I get that part, but just saying, I see, I know that you're mad. I see that you're sad. I see that you're frustrated and you're trying really hard to put those shoes on, but like three and a half minutes have passed. And that's really wrong <laughs> for me. You know, like I'm going to help you. And, and then when we come home tonight, you can take your shoes off, put them back on in your own, you know, like something mm-hmm. to let's just start being aware of that and acknowledging their emotions. Because every single time I talk about emotions, whether it's tantrums, whether it's this part of being acknowledged and feeling seen by the person that's in front of you and you care about the most, I bring myself back to my own shoes as an adult. If every single time I would tell my partner, like, I'm overwhelmed, or I'm tired, or I'm sad today, and I don't know why. um, And he would say, like, who cares? Okay, let's just go. Let's just man, I would, that would suck. (laughs) You know, it's hard.
0: Yeah. Well, it reminds me, it's funny because I remember during pregnancy and when I was like in labor the first time, he learned the second time, but my husband be like, you know, like, don't worry. Like you got this. Like you're really, you're really good at this. When I'd be like, oh, like I'm just not feeling good. I'm in pain. Oh my God. I'm not going to do well with labor. It's going to be so hard. And it's like, no, that's not how I want you to respond. Don't tell me that it's going to be okay. <laughs> I like, yes. Ultimately, I guess I know it's going to be okay, but like don't tell me that. You just tell me how hard it is. Agree with me. Recognize yes. that this is hard and recognize that I'm going through a hard situation. And I just want you to be like in awe of me that I'm doing this hard thing. I don't want you to try to comfort me at this point. And I feel... Like that is what my kids are thinking sometimes. It's like, oh, just recognize how frustrated I am that I don't have my damn blue cup and I only have my red one. Like just recognize that. And I honestly, that yes. would have been so helpful to me. And I think it is as silly as it sounds that is often so helpful to our kids.
2: What you just said, I absolutely love it because I mean they're they're not in labor, but the emotions and the worry and the not feeling safe in that moment and just needing to express their mm-hmm. emotions is the same. You it's exactly right. It's the same and if we start showing compassion first towards ourselves more, then Mm. we will be able to show our kids more compassion because we'll understand that this is where they're coming from. They're not trying to be brats. They're not trying to have tantrums to ruin our day. It's not their goal. Their goal is every single time they're having these really big emotions is they're telling us, I don't know what to do with this. (laughs) Like, and it's true. They're like, I, I thought I wanted the red cup, but now my brain is telling me blue, but now the red is gone and now I don't know. And help me, please. You know, like it's it's exactly what their brain is saying to us. And it's just that it's annoying because we're not used to seeing people do this to us. You know, with adults, we say what we want, most of us, but like <laughs> Not all of us, but you know, we 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 are we are able to communicate, and and we are also able to understand what's happening. Actually, not all the time, but sometimes in our so more it's success always, in toddlers, exactly like maybe a higher percent like a success rate, but not as as much as we would like. And I think that we naturally, just as your husband did, and and my husband's done that with me too, where we just want to like comfort and, mm-hmm. and and make it go away yeah. and. But what happens is that you're a 39 year old like me, who has no idea what to do with sadness. (laughs) So I push it away. And (laughs) I do
0: (laughs) (laughs) welcome. welcome to It's my
2: problem. (laughs) But it's but we do because, Mm -hmm. you know, parents will often ask me, OK, how do I deal with my kids anger? And and it's easy because it's like, well, you shouldn't hit. You shouldn't scream or cry or whatever. Or how do I deal with worry? Well, OK, let's try to talk about what you're worried about. What do you do when you're sad? Nobody asks me that. No one will ever ask me, what do I do with my child's sadness? Because we're so used to just comforting it and saying it's okay. There's nothing, you know, you don't have to be sad or let's push it away. And then we're 39 years old saying like, what the hell do I do with this? I feel so sad, but I shouldn't be sad. So how do I move past it? When in the end, we should be saying to ourselves, I'm really sad today. And I'm Mm going to sit in this sadness and I'm going to cry because I don't Mm -hmm. feel good. And maybe tomorrow will be better. Maybe not, but I'm going to be sad today. Right, like yeah.
0: no, I think that's so it, important.
2: It and it, and we don't talk about that enough. And you know, it's gonna help their mental health later on. It's gonna help ours if we learn how to do that. And this is why, like, I've been like talking, even giving workshops here in Montreal, but like about emotions because we're realizing now. Can we even say coming out of the pandemic? I don't know. Like this, the flu season, everything. I don't know. We're just a mess. <laughs> we are whatever we're in, whatever we're in yeah. right now, like. It's just that mental health is starting, has a long time now, has been surfacing. It was mm-hmm. like that before the pandemic. But now we were with ourselves. We were hard on ourselves. We were stuck at home. And for years and years of of not being able to have a space where we can move away from the things that trigger certain emotions, which is our home and our marriage and our parents our, our family sometimes, you know, and our kids. We're always with the ones that trigger certain emotions in us. And there's no outlet And we have to start talking about emotions a lot more. We have to figure out ways to learn how to deal with our, not deal, manage our emotions better and cope with them. And and being sad is okay. Anybody could be sad. We need to talk about men's mental health more and their emotions and how to express them. We need to teach all our children how to express emotions. And this is why I'm so passionate and posting a lot more about this because we need to have these conversations.
0: No, it's so important. And I'm so grateful for accounts like yours, Cindy, and you put out so much great information. That's why I love having you on my podcast. (laughs) You you. know your shit. I I don't know my shit. It's good. (laughs) You surround yourself with people that are smarter than you in different areas of life, and it's the best way to go. But Cindy, (laughs) where can everybody else go to find your account, listen to your podcast, check out everything you have? Because it is, you are an amazing resource.
2: Thank you. Well, I'm on uh, Instagram, curious underscore neuron. You can visit my website at curious neuron.com. I have a podcast, the curious neuron podcast. I try to reach out to researchers and now I've been talking with parents as well because I realized, you know, sometimes it's just about feeling seen and that you're not alone in this. And then there's, I spoke about emotion mountain. So there's the Academy on my website, and it's a PDF. I think it's like $4.99. And you get a printout for your child and, and you can put that on your wall, which is what I did with my kids. I tested it out first and then I put it out there. And um this past summer I also launched uh, an app called Wondergrade and it's all about emotion regulation skills. That's amazing. And it's yeah. It's it's been quite a, a, a yeah. Remember, I work at night. Oh
0: my God. Yeah,
2: and weekends, it's been nuts. Oh my but god.
0: But just well, to congrats.
2: say. Thank you. Um, and, you know, we're developing these storyboards so that parents can have um, access to these these little um, like things that you print printables so that regardless of your child's emotions or how they're feeling or which situation they're in, you'll have something to have like a script with you to know how to support them. It's everything about emotion regulation skills.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. Thank, Thank you, you for the work you do. <laughs> Honestly, it is so necessary. And not enough people put time and research and effort and money into areas that are focused around women and families enough. Mm. So mm. it is obviously so appreciated. And that's awesome. But Cindy. Thank you, Alexandra. I didn't even touch <laughs> on debt. So this is. Oh my like, gosh. This is what I was <laughs> saying at the very beginning. I already have new reasons to get you back on, and I can't wait for that. I'm excited. Yes, <laughs> part three. <laughs> yeah. Take care. Have a great Thank night. You. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Good job, Alex. Thank you. So, Shane, we are heading into our mailbag segment, which the listeners give us questions and topics on Instagram, and we answer them. So the first thing that I have tonight is not – a question. I guess it's kind of a topic, but I had a listener write in. And she just said, "I've got a juicy tell us anything for the podcast."
1: Do I know this person?
0: No. Neither one of okay. us do. I don't think they're from. Okay. Here. So,
1: we can say this on the podcast.
0: Yes. She told me to say it on the podcast.
1: And she's not going to regret it.
0: I don't know, but right. she told me to well, say it on I'm the intrigued. podcast. So, I'm just I'm just going to read it out to you because she gave me a long message. And I just think the best thing to do is read it out. And then I want your take. Because I talked about it with her after for quite a while. No. But I want your take And it's on
1: anonymous, it. right? Yeah. People will never know who it is.
0: So what I'm going to read is going to be all her words. My husband was diagnosed to be an end-stage kidney failure two weeks before our about-to-be-two-year-old was born. Long story short, we found out an ex-girlfriend of one of his female friends was approved to be a donor and turned out to be a perfect match. We were elated. After taking just over a year, the transplant happened November 3rd of this year. The donor is in their 20s, and my girlfriends and I would take them out on girls' nights, and they are super socially awkward, and just all around kind of odd. They spent quite a bit of time at our home, as they are a musician, and my husband has a recording studio where he recorded and mastered their album. So when my husband was in the hospital recovering, he was passed out from the pain meds, and I saw his phone uh, screen light up. I looked at the screen, and it was from his donor. Amazing. I was going to respond as myself and be like, oh my god, hey, it's me. Thank you so much. Do you want me to bring you coffee? Instead, I looked at it, and it said, I miss you. My heart literally dropped, and I opened the chat and saw all sorts of crazy messages dating back to July of this year, starting off a little more than acquaintances to, quote, you saved my life in more than one way, and then saying, a part of me will always be with you, we are soulmates, I wish your wife had died when she was injured at work, etc. I haven't told them that I know, but I have been keeping up with their messages like some sick soap opera. The latest was, I told her I'm filing for divorce in a couple of weeks, and we can be together and travel the world on tour. He has not said anything about that. I had to tell someone, and it's almost impossible not to react and confront him with this, especially because I took three weeks off to be here with his recovery while he sits on his phone doing nothing um, and dealing with major mood swings due to the anti-rejection meds and just being treated awful. So here's that juicy tell me anything. Whoa. I know. It's heavy.
1: Wow. So, geez, he's lying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's acting like he's going to get a divorce, but he's he hadn't said anything.
0: No, and I I had spoken to her after too, and not only is that not the case, but it's also like he's planning vacations with his wife for the spring and the summer and a whole bunch of things like that, and saying he wants to get their vows renewed like stuff like that, like very extreme in one way or another. So she knows that he has big, he's emotionally kind of screwed up from the medication. But I don't know, like, I don't know anything about kidney transplants and how long you have to be on that medication, like if it starts before the surgery, because I don't know what's going to explain the behavior before the surgery. You know what I mean? So this is somebody, and I, I find anytime, like, any people I know that where there's been an affair, mm-hmm. it's like the person tries to get in and then get with, get good with the wife. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: While they're sleeping with the husband.
1: Here's what screws me up. Uh, initially, when you read it, it said his ex girlfriend's girlfriend. Yes. So this woman was by bi- is bisexual.
0: And if you notice too, anytime she referred to them, it's she's a they them. Okay. they are they them. So they do not identify as female either
1: interesting well um
0: what's your take what do you like what what would you do in that situation she hasn't brought it up with him yet oh my
1: god like i i would i love the recon mission i i <laughs> wish i had that just so i could you know get more info but i'm too tempted to just be like Oh, how's uh, your dinner tonight? You fucking asshole! You know, like I—I I just am so excited to pounce on it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So she's she just said that she's holding her cards close because she wants to wait till her husband's out of this like traumatic time. And mm-hmm. in my head, I'm like, oh my god! Like, first of all, that's way too kind of you. But also, she's they've they have a kid, they have a young kid, yeah, mm-hmm. two year old. Like it's, it's hard. So I think she's just waiting to find out when he's maybe a little more stable and over his recovery and then they can figure out, which is, this is like the most rational person I've ever spoken to.
1: Yeah. I don't know if it's the right move. I don't know. Sincerely, I think maybe you just, cause obviously you're waiting for him to get better and have some big angry confrontation, but maybe it's like, Hey, what's going on here? like just yeah. tell me and you could broach it calmly and deal with it that way cuz i feel like it's wild to pretend it's not going on
0: yeah but then it's like she's they have a kid and i think S- so what i know but i'm just saying i think but what is
1: that what, what what is that doing well i
0: think in lieu of like blowing it up right now waiting until it gets better and then going to therapy and finding out if it's worth salvaging is probably hmm. the right way to go i i don't know and i think the right way to go can be so argued and is going to be so different for everybody but like I don't I don't think I'd have I'd be able to hold on to that myself like you but I don't necessarily think it's the wrong move for this person you know no. what I mean
1: geez no who who are we we're no we we've got what a podcast I'm just <laughs> no, saying know. things I'm just <laughs> filling airtime here I don't know what to do
0: yeah, but we we appreciate you sharing with that us with that with us. And I don't know if any listeners are therapists or relationship gurus, what should you do? Tell us. We'll share it on the next uh, mailbag segment.
1: My advice would be to broach it. I would yeah. broach it. And it's, you know, it, like we're always saying, being upset and nice is mm-hmm. a skill. So you can we tell Lucy this all the time. You can be angry upset and still be nice to your sister at the same time mm-hmm. and i think you can be betrayed cheated on and still broach it in a mature kind way and you could still deal with all the things maybe put the relationship on hold mm-hmm. and not tell the child because the, the child could think things mm-hmm. are business as usual but at least you're you know being truthful to yourself and the partner about what's going on because i i would think for for this person who, who wrote in that it's it's got to be turmoil oh, and, I, and i don't think that's worth and i don't want them to have some sort wow. of ever everlasting <laughs> lasting uh trauma from this
0: yeah no i was thinking the same thing like the turmoil just reading it made me feel nauseous you know what yeah, i mean reading I, what she was going through made me feel so nauseous
1: like the longer you're in the stew yeah. it might sink yeah. its Teeth into and manifest in weird ways.
0: No, I agree. No, it's a screwed up situation. And ultimately, I'm just, I hate that you're going through it. I hate that anybody's going through it. And yeah, if anybody has a device that's like backs up what we said or is opposite from what we said, anything, tell
1: us. We want to know. I think you said a device instead of advice, but that's a just. A device? Yeah. Maybe if mean. you have a device, <laughs> that could be cool too. Uh,
0: Okay, so the next question how many Christmas presents or all over cost do you guys plan on spending on your kids? So we we've been historically pretty like, I don't know, we don't do too much at Christmas. Like I think last year we got Lou, um, we got, we got Lou and Betty, this cool like market that they could play at. And that was like 120 bucks. And then just little things after that. And they were over the moon and they loved it. Prior, like when Lucy was one year or two years old, we just rewrapped shit she already had and forgot about.:
1: Yeah. I think they have to be conscious, and I, I don't consider anyone. I think three is your first Christmas, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And then the older they get, the more money you can spend. But kids don't know money, they don't know what's good or bad. like gack is very cool
0: what's gack
1: you know what gack is it's, <laughs> it's, it's very cool <laughs> it's like play-doh but squishy slime stuff and for them that could be ten dollars it could be 300 they don't know Oh, they're like c- kittens the, <laughs> the, sometimes the paper is more exciting than the thing inside it
0: oh 100% no we could get like them a box full of bouncy balls and they'd lose their minds
1: if we printed out a card that said and laminated it that said you are officially a princess now from the princess institute of england (laughs) that could be worth a million dollars to lose
0: (laughs) and i love that take on christmas though like from the child's eyes and that's kind of what makes like renews christmas i think when you're a parent you have kids is it's just like such a pure happiness that you get when Mm -hmm. That they get when you get anything. It's like
1: Does it make you sad at all?
0: It doesn't make me sad that like the
1: happiness of the kids. Does it make you sad?
0: Nah, it makes me happy and it makes instead of like making me think of where have I gone wrong? Where has adulthood led me? Oh i I don't mean in that way. <laughs> oh, I thought that's what you meant.
1: No. I mean oh Like they believe in something that I know isn't true Mm. and that age. And I feel like I've realized the age that they believe with Santa, especially now with the digital age internet and all that, probably it probably skipped a year, probably went from like seven to six or five Mm -hmm. even. So to me, that makes me sad. It's like they believe in a magic that I know is not true. And the happiness is killing me in a way. I'm like sad about the having to break it to them.
0: See, what I I'm not cuz I think that when they when they get it broken to them or when they realize, they'll be able to handle that. It just it honestly makes me so happy and it makes me so happy that we are letting mm-hmm. them believe in certain things and have this magic in their life cuz I think it's so fun. And like looking back at your childhood, nobody's like pissed at their mom and dad for letting them believe in Santa. like nobody's actually angry you know what I mean
1: no I'm not thinking that at all I'm not saying that at all either (laughs) I'm just saying even in like a good time like if I'm having a good time and I'm a weirdo I'll admit it like let's say we're having a good time at the Magic Kingdom or just on a random vacation I will get sad that the one day these times will be over and they'll be moved on from them like even when Lucy's being so sweet to me like she's just being sweet because she's four <laughs> when she's 16 she's going to hate me and i think of that and sometimes the good times make me sad this is a weird thought but no i just can't i appreciate the moment because i appreciate it when it's gone i i instantly reminisce about the moment that might have been just moments ago
0: no i i totally get what you're saying and i think about that all the time and it, i use it too as a reminder to be like be more present, be more present, be more present. You know what I mean?
1: No, I'm too present. That's what I'm saying. I'm very present in the moment Mm -hmm. and appreciating the moment almost too much where I'm putting so much stock that when the moment has passed, I'm already nostalgic for it. Yeah. And knowing that the jello hasn't set in the sense that they're not 25 and their personality isn't whatever. Mm -hmm. Someone's like, Daddy, I love you. I'm like, yeah, this is temporary, you know. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i don't think it's Denver. i think the way that they'll show it like i think i thought that like this morning lucy woke me up at 5 a.m right and mm-hmm. she's adamant she's not going back to sleep i was furious like in my head and i'm so like i just want to sleep i'm so tired so i take her into like the downstairs bedroom mm-hmm. just so that, you know she doesn't wake anybody up and then we we're just cuddling and the whole time we were cuddling i was thinking about okay this is so nice like this is so cute we didn't go back to sleep like there was no sleeping after that but it was like it was so cute and it would be like her pretending she's gonna fall asleep and then turning over and like holding my face just like both of her hands her little hands on my cheeks then giving me little kisses on my nose Mm -hmm. and i'm like lucy go to bed like it is the middle of the night you need to go to bed and she's like just one more kiss mommy and like putting on a baby voice Mm -hmm. (laughs) it melts your freaking heart and you hate it but you love it more and then i was thinking about that i was like this doesn't last forever things like this and i i do think about that a lot and it is kind of sad um yeah i try i try not to get sad and just use it as a reminder Mm -hmm. to like be in the moment i think
1: yeah i just wish that the magic of christmas was real
0: me too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that maybe is what the real thing is.
0: It's the real magic. That's what any Christmas yeah. movie will tell you.
1: Like It sucks that Santa doesn't exist.
0: Well, there is. The thing is, the world is such a harsh and brutal place a lot of the time that magic, like Christmas, like the Tooth Fairy, like the Great Freaking Pumpkin, I don't know.
1: Wait, the Great Frickin' Pumpkin? Who's that?
0: <laughs> the Did Great you- Pumpkin?
1: I didn't grow up with that. What is that?
0: Oh, no, it's a Charlie Brown thing. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm I was hyperbolizing, but to have magic like that, I think is super special, and it's such a nice reprieve from the shittiness of what the world can be. Of course, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I think we're on the same page, yeah. But the next question, how did Alex do with the splits after the last podcast?
1: Pretty good. I was impressed because you consider yourself to be not an athletic, not an athletic. You consider yourself to be athletic. You do not consider yourself to be flexible. Mm-hmm. I do think you did the easier of the two splits, which is the forward splits, not the side splits.
0: I didn't. I do the side splits after the pod.
1: No, you did the forward splits.
0: No, during the pod I did, but then after I thought I tried the side splits.
1: I don't remember that.
0: Yeah, I got. I didn't. It, I wasn't as good as the forward splits, but I was like not terrible.
1: Do you want to try the side splits All right. right now? Okay, I'm running cold
0: though. Like I, I'm not warmed up.
1: Well, you, you're standing by a fire right now. I also have a knee injury. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: that's it.
1: Yeah, that's, I'm not saying that's better or worse than I could do, but that wasn't impressive.
0: <laughs> no, that wasn't good. The
1: forward splits are impressive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You barely did anything
0: there. Um, yeah, that was terrible. But the next question. Lotus birth. Have you heard of it? What is it? Shane, do you know what this is?
1: I'm going to guess it's where you're kind of like, it's like you're taking a shit and the kid comes out.
0: I think that's like every birth.
1: Oh, like you're standing up. Like, I'm, I mean, like standing up, taking a shit. Okay. Like you're like squatting, taking a shit. No, I don't
0: I'll know. I'll stop what... saying taking a shit. <laughs> okay, so Lotus birth is when the umbilical cord is left attached to the placenta. So like you deliver the baby, and then instead of like cutting because usually then you like cut the cord, and then after that you deliver the placenta, right? Mm-hmm. But you leave them attached. So you deliver the baby, a few minutes later deliver the placenta, and then instead again of clamping and cutting it, even at that point, which would be like a delayed clamping or whatever, which is what we did, you just wait until it falls away on its own. And that doesn't happen quick. That's going to take between 5 and 15 days. And so with a lotus birth.
1: This is legal?
0: I think so in a lot of places. So you keep the baby attached to the placenta. This
1: isn't like a a dirty Sanchez or some like (laughs) thing that you hear about that doesn't actually happen.
0: No. Hold on. I'm going to show you a photo. Um, So when you're caring for your newborn then for the first like half of a month that they're alive, you also have to like carry around the placenta which is then i'd assume just kind of like stinky and rotting what what happens? so i was looking people can buy these like bags for it
1: <laughs> so wait this does happen or it doesn't no it does happen it's okay. a thing
0: um so people keep the placenta in like this bag and then you carry it around with your newborn
1: what's the possible advantage of this
0: just so I guess your newborn can suck out every last nutrient from the placenta.
1: Give them a carrot smoothie or something. <laughs> I don't know. But
0: I have heard too, like I've seen scientific debate and not just whatever, like actual studies, even just about delayed cord clamping. Like
1: I have heard of this.
0: The benefits. Well, because you, you and I did delayed, right? Cause, and we were yeah. talking about it leading up to the birth and we've had people on the podcast mm. talk about it. So it's like-
1: I know someone who actually did this. The lotus? Yes. Shaquille O'Neal. No. No. I'm just trying <laughs> I'm trying to think of a really strong big person who actually benefited from it. How could you fall for that though? Like kudos to you for being so uh I believe in like, magic, Shane. There's
0: magic <laughs> in the world. But uh I just think that it would be like amazing if you think that's what you want to do, whatever. But even with the placenta being dehydrated and then consuming it, there is that, which is a big thing, right? And like people were trying to, companies were trying to get me to do that with them and then promote it. But I never did it because ultimately. You're talking about
1: eating your placenta in a pill. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But ultimately, there's no scientific research that says that that is helpful in any way at all and actually can be quite harmful. So I didn't end up doing that. And then with the lotus birth, I don't know that it can be harmful. It just seems like a pain in the ass. Um,
1: Which can be harmful. (laughs)
0: Yeah. But there's nothing that I've read that, and no studies, like scientific studies that have said, okay, this is helpful. So if it's a tradition to you, if it's important to you for whatever reason, do it. But just delay the cord clamping and call it a day and then don't carry around a sack of like rotting flesh, I guess, right?
1: Words to live by. <laughs> All
0: right, so the next question. Rain Wilson name change. What are your thoughts on it? Did you did you hear about this?
1: Yeah, it's a publicity stunt. I guess it's publicity stunt 101. I don't think he actually did it. If he did, he'll probably change it back.
0: I think he did. So he changed his name to Rainfall, Heatwave, Extreme, Winter, Wilson. And hey, the guy's into climate change. Whatever. I say leave it at that. Yeah,
1: it's a publicity stunt. I don't, these things have been going on forever. People will probably still call him Rain. It doesn't seem like life changing. I think yeah. when um with the a basketball player changed his name to Meta World Peace. Jeez, mm. uh, I know. Abdul Jabbar. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no it's you know the the documentary we watched there was a malice at the palace a fight broke yeah out. of course i believe it was where was it i'm looking it, it was up. a detroit pistons team oh give me a hint of his name please meta world peace oh is my, just okay. give me any of the initials mm. Mm.
0: okay sa what oh msa
1: okay wait his initials
0: his first, his first name is Meta.
1: Alex, I, I want the guy's original name.
0: Yeah, yeah, MSA.
1: He, no, his name. He just had a first and a last name. This guy. He didn't. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So wait,
0: I think he changed it again. Then okay, He's changed it three times. What was his okay, original R, R-, 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 R- W?
1: Okay, so you've messed me up now with this terrible <laughs> misleading. Okay, give me his just first little bit of his name. Raw. Keep going. No. Keep going. All. Oh. Keep going. <laughs> Ronald? Yeah. That's not true.
0: It is. He was born Ronald William
1: Test. Ron Artest. Okay, that was... <laughs> Ron Artest, okay.
0: Okay. I, I do have to say so he was born Ronald Artest, mm-hmm. changed his name to Meta to Meta World Peace in 2011 and then in 2020 changed it again legally to Meta Sandiford Artest.
1: Wow, that's kind of a downgrade. Meta World Peace is way cooler. Yeah, it is cool. What's the middle name now?
0: I, I know it's San- it's a hyphenated last name. He took his spouse's I think name they both took each other's name so it's our Artest.
1: Say what you will about the man he's very progressive.
0: <laughs> I like it I love it actually but yeah that's that.
1: That's it for our podcast? No oh
0: I have another question okay well I have a couple more but that's I, d- I, I want to hit that me. one. Okay a recent study showed that sperm counts around the world have plummeted what are your thoughts and do you think men will start having similar to women have a biological clock so the sperm counts it is pretty shocking like it sounds like something out of a science fiction movie i was looking it up to see you know what is the difference so on like an entire population level like globally the average sperm count dropped from 104 million per milliliter in 1973 okay to now in 2019 was the last time i guess they did a lot of sperm testing 49 million milliliter so 104 to 49
1: that's a huge drop yeah but it only takes one spermy to connect you
0: yeah but when men get old and it's like if it dropped more than 50 percent in -hmm. that amount of time that is not that long like what's that say about things that's kind of freaky so there are people freaking out about this a little bit although i don't like whatever i'm sure they'll figure it out and things will get back to normal. Maybe it's just a natural thing that happens. But it makes me think. It's like, I've never seen the movie Children of Men. But I feel like that might be what it is about. Is that what it's about?
1: Um, A sperm shortage? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember reading the synopsis. But I don't know. Probably, yeah.
0: It's like, uh, what's the movie that, that gets filmed in Hamilton, the TV show? Elizabeth Moss. Freaky. Too Much Death. So Depressing.
1: Uh, sperm begun
0: yes
1: (laughs) no handmade still yes
0: yes kind of that predicament right
1: right i've never seen the show but
0: oh my god i loved the show for the first two and a half seasons and then i was like i can't take any more grief and i had to stop watching it and it's a well-done show there's just too much grief and i can't deal with that much sadness in my Mm -hmm. relaxing time
1: but couldn't these men just go to a sperm bank
0: spank it save
1: the sperm save the sperm and then shoot it in. Uh, yeah,
0: but that's taking a lot of money. It's like worldwide. What do you mean? You make
1: everybody. money at a sperm bank.
0: Oh, I thought you meant like they're freezing it for themselves.
1: Well, you, you can't you give and then take? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if you give sperm, then maybe they hook you up with a free sperm shooting later?
1: I guess I don't know how much it costs to buy the sperm.
0: I think it costs a lot to, for the procedure to have them like re, like to oh. put it in the wife.
1: Got you. <laughs> In my mind, I guess, yeah, I was just thinking of a turkey baster, but I realized that's <laughs> no. not true.
0: No. Uh, okay. And we're going to end on this question. Share three things that you love about each other.
1: This, uh, this isn't, who, who submitted this? Alex?
0: No, I didn't submit it. A listener submitted it. I did not Do I
1: know that. the submit listener? Not personally. Do I know of them? mm mm-hmm. Miss Blondie? Yeah. Okay. Three things we love about each other. Okay, mood swings I don't love. Okay, Adam Carrington the practice. same I'm thing about you. Oh, you can say about anybody, probably. Yeah. You begin. Okay, I'll bask and then give back what I get.
0: I need no, give back double. I need it. So why do you need it? I don't know. I'm feeling down. These crazy periods, babe. Like you know, I'm mm. PMSing like more a maniac. like
1: exclamation points. <laughs> Continue.
0: If you're new here, Shane makes this joke once a month. Mm, Um, joke. (laughs) But I love that even when I'm having my exclamation point, you make me laugh. And just in the littlest moments in in a day, you'll do something that'll be funny. And like your intention is to make me smile and it's to make me laugh. Mm. And it's just like, it's nice. And I, I really love that and I appreciate it. Um, I don't
1: recall much laughter today, but I appreciate that.
0: (laughs) I think that you really do a good job of like uh, making me feel loved. Like, you know how I, you know, you know how I receive love, which is like to reach over and touch me or hug me or give me a kiss or say something nice. And I think that you do a really good job of that and that you're like not uh, ever embarrassed to do that. Mm-hmm. Like we could be anywhere with like all your buddies, all your family, my family, whoever. And you're never scared of like, you know, showing that you love me. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes me very proud and it makes me just feel so good. And then lastly, a thing I love about you is, Your, like, gung-ho-ness, like, your willingness to do whatever. Like, we had, honestly, every time we go away and do something and it's just the two of us, even if it's you and I going out for three hours in Hamilton,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you're so down for whatever we come across and we have so much fun hanging out together and that hasn't dissipated at all. I think it's, like, gotten better in certain ways from when we first started dating. Because, Mm -hmm. like, you're just, we will walk into... Frigging garbage dump, and we'll have a hilarious and fun time. You know what I yeah. mean. So those are the three things I love about you.
1: Okay, three things I love about you. One, eyes, nice big, boom. I can kill you. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> um, what I love. There's <laughs> many things. But here you have an advantage of having these questions for hours to think about I all I didn't these.
0: think about them, Shane.
1: Okay. Well, maybe on some subconscious level. Wait, why,
0: why don't you just have three things right now? Are we going to do three things that we hate about each other? Me, number one. Shane, pretending you can't think of things that you love about me.
1: I can't think of eloquent ways to say them.
0: After I just said that you were good at showing me love no matter where we are why yeah, is the podcast that's the one non-verbal. place where it's hard
1: that's non-verbal true I, i'm never i'm like rubbing your butt and you know touching all the right places uh, like you know like your hand kissing your forehead that's what, honestly what i meant um i like i like here's what i like you're you're doing it right now your ability to laugh a lot i don't have that ability like you have like I wish I was laughing more in the day, Mm -hmm. and I am laughing a lot, but you're just such a smiley, laughy, happy person in general when things are going well, and you can appreciate a good time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have problems appreciating a time when I should be happy. I'm not. You're always happy when you should be happy around the holidays, on a vacation. Like You're always just appreciating the moment and soaking it in. And that's nice when someone can appreciate times. So you're almost too happy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That I'm jealous. I'm like, geez, I wish I was as happy as Alex. <laughs> but I really like being around that energy. It's a fun energy to be around. Um, you're very homey type of feeling. And sometimes you can be in a relationship and feel lonelier than if you're alone. But I feel very at home and at peace being around you. And that is a comfortable feeling to be around someone like that. And you're my best friend. So it's nice to have a friend and a lover. <laughs> Sometimes you just get the lover. Sometimes you just get the friend. It's nice to have both. And that's what I have with you, Alex. And it's really nice. We in proofs in the pudding, I mean, we spend 24-7 around each other. And I'm not exaggerating. You're we're never apart. We're always we're business partners. We're uh, I don't know. Leisure partners where <laughs> we do everything together. People, I think, think it's quite weird. But
0: do uh, do do people tell you that it's quite weird?
1: No, look, <laughs> like I'm the only person who says quite. But uh, no, no one says it. I think behind my back, they're probably having a field day because I, I seem like <laughs> such a. Loser.
0: <laughs>
1: I guess the antiquated term would be whipped or something, but that's not the case at all because I'm leading the charge in it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and they don't know that we're having a ball.
1: Yeah, I think I think they do know that. It, like uh, in their heart of hearts. But anyway, I. The, are, you, are you happy with that stuff?
0: Yeah, I am. That was okay. making me feel good, babe. Good. Thank you.
1: Me too. Okay, everyone. <laughs> thanks so much for listening to this Best family f- tree. Oh, <laughs> what
0: did you say?
1: I said that family tree. Okay. Thanks so much for listening to this, this family, family tree, tree podcast. podcast
0: episode 151.